when I published Ulysses by James Joyce in my little bookshop called Shakespeare and Company in Paris. Look, look, the dust is growing. My branches laugh large in the Stately, plump, buck bargain. All perfume, yes, and his heart was going like mad. And yes, I said yes, I will, yes. Friends of Shakespeare and Company read Ulysses by James Joyce. Read today by Lola Peplow. Quick, warm sunlight came running from Berkeley Road, swiftly, in slim sandals, along the brightening footpath. Runs, she runs to meet me, a girl with gold hair on the wind. Two letters and a card lay on the hall floor. He stopped and gathered them. Mrs. Marion Bloom. His quick heart slowed at once. Bold hand, Mrs. Marion. Poldy! Entering the bedroom, he half-closed his eyes and walked through warm yellow twilight towards her tousled head. Who are the letters for? He looked at them. Melinda, Millie. A letter for me from Millie, he said carefully, and a card to you, and a letter for you. He laid her card and letter on the twill bedspread near the curve of her knees. Do you want the blind up? Letting the blind up by gentle tugs, halfway his backward eyes saw her glance at the letter and tuck it under her pillow. That do? he asked, turning. She was reading the card propped on her elbow. She got the things, she said. He waited till she had laid the card aside and curled herself back slowly with a snug sigh. Hurry up with that tea, she said. I'm parched. The kettle is boiling, he said. But he delayed to clear the chair. Her striped petticoat tossed soiled linen and lifted all in an armful onto the foot of the bed. As he went down the kitchen stairs, she called, Poldy! What? Scald the teapot! On the boil, sure enough, a plume of steam from the spout. He scalded and rinsed out the teapot and put in four full spoons of tea, tilting the kettle then to let water flow in. Having set it to draw, he took off the kettle and crushed the pan flat on the live coals and watched the lump of butter slide and melt. While he unwrapped the kidney, the cat meowed hungrily against him. Give her too much meat, she won't mouse. Say they won't eat pork, kosher here. He let the blood-smeared paper fall to her and dropped the kidney amid the sizzling butter sauce, pepper. He sprinkled it through his fingers ringwise from the chipped egg cup. Then he slit open his letter, glancing down the page and over. Thanks, new Tam, Mr. Coglan, low owl picnic, young student, blazes boiling seaside girls. The tea was drawn. He filled his own moustache cup, sham crowned Derby, smiling. Silly Minnie's birthday gift. Only five she was then. No, wait, four. I gave her the Ambroid's necklace she broke, putting pieces of folded brown paper in the letterbox for her. He smiled, pouring. Oh, Millie Bloom, you are my darling. You are my looking glass from night to morning. I'd rather have you without a farthing than Katie Cole with her ass and garden. Poor old Professor Goodwin. Dreadful old case. Still, he was a courteous old chap. Old-fashioned way he used to bow Millie off the platform and the little mirror in his silk hat. 
The night Millie brought it into the parlour. Oh, look what I found in Professor Goodwin's hat. All we laughed, sex breaking out even then. Pert little piece she was. He prodded a fork into the kidney and slapped it over, then fitted the teapot on the tray. Its hump bumped as he took it up. Everything on it, bread and butter, far sugar, spoon, her cream. Yes, he carried it upstairs, his thumb hooked in the teapot handle. Nudging the door open with his knee, he carried the tray in and set it on the chair by the bedhead. What a time you were, she said. She set the brasses jingling as she raised herself briskly an elbow on the pillow. He looked calmly down on her bulk and between her large soft bubs sloping within her nightdress like a she-goat's udder. The warmth of her couched body rose on the air, mingling with the fragrance of the tea she poured. A strip of torn envelope peeped from under the dimpled pillow. In the act of going, he stayed to straighten the bedspread. Who was the letter from, he asked. Bold hand, Marion. Oh, Boylan, she said. He's bringing the programme. What's she singing? Lassie Down with J.C. Doyle, she said. Love's old sweet song. Her full lips, drinking, smiled. Rather stale smell that incense leaves next day, like foul flower water. Would you like the window open a little? She doubled a slice of bread into her mouth, asking, What time is the funeral? Eleven, I think, he answered. I didn't see the paper. Following the pointing of her finger, he took up a leg of her soiled drawers from the bed. No? Then a twisted grey garter looped round a stocking, rumpled, shiny sole. No, that book. Other stocking, her petticoat. Must have fallen down, she said. He felt here and there. Voglio e non vorrei. Wonder if she pronounces that right. Voglio. Not in the bed. Must have slid down. He stooped and lifted the valance. The book, fallen, sprawled against the bulge of the orange-keyed chamber pot. Show here, she said. I put a mark in it. There's a word I wanted to ask you. She swallowed a draught of tea from her cup, held by no thandle, and having wiped her fingertips smartly on the blanket, began to search the text with the hairpin till she reached the word. Met him what? he asked. Here, she said. What does that mean? He leaned downwards and read near her polished thumbnail. Metempsychosis? Yes. Who's he when he's at home? Metempsychosis, he said, frowning. It's Greek, from the Greek. That means the transmigration of souls. Oh, rocks, she said. Tell us in plain words. He smiled, glancing askance at her mocking eye. The same young eyes. The first night after the charades. Dolphin's barn. He turned over the smudged pages. Ruby, the pride of the ring. Hello. Illustration. Fierce Italian with carriage whip. Must be Ruby. Pride of the on-the-floor naked. Sheet kindly lent. The monster Maffei desisted and flung his victim from him with an oath. Cruelty behind it all. Doped animals. Trapeze at Hengler's. Had to look the other way. Mob gaping. Break your neck and we'll break our sides. Families of them. Bone them young so they metempsychosis. That we live after death. Our souls. That a man's soul after he dies. Dignam's soul. Did you finish it? He asked. Yes, she said. There's nothing smutty in it. Is she in love with the first fellow all the time? Never read it. Do you want another? Yes. Get another of Paul de Cox. Nice name he has. She poured more tea into her cup, watching it flow sideways. 
Must get that Capel Street Library book renewed, or they'll write to Kearney, my guarantor. Reincarnation, that's the word. Some people believe, he said, that we go on living in another body after death, that we lived before. They call it reincarnation, that we all lived before on the earth thousands of years ago, or some other planet. They say we have forgotten it. Some say they remember their past lives. The sluggish cream wound curdling spirals through her tea. Better reminder of the word, metempsychosis. An example would be better, an example. The bath of the nymph over the bed, given away with the Easter number of photo bits. Splendid masterpiece in art colours. Tea before you put milk in, not unlike her with her hair down. Slimmer, three and six I gave her the frame. She said it would look nice over the bed. Naked nymphs, Greece, and for instance, all the people that lived then. He turned to the pages back. Metempsychosis, he said, is what the ancient Greeks called it. They used to believe you could be changed into an animal or a tree, for instance, what they called nymphs, for example. Her spoon ceased to stir up the sugar. She gazed straight before her, inhaling through her arched nostrils. There's a smell of burn, she said. Did you leave anything on the fire? The kidney, he cried suddenly.